believers, we've been spoiled. We've been really spoiled because we just come to church, we hear a good word, and then we go. Right? But um, as believers, the gospel is designed not only to be good news, but to, to talk to us about the basic fundamental beliefs of what we believe and also to give us principles to guide our conduct. To guide our conduct. Because we want to be Christians and do whatever we want to do. But the gospel, right, is about guiding our, giving us principles, guiding principles and basic beliefs. So it's three things. One, good news. Two, basic beliefs. And three, guiding principles. Now let me take you out to the scripture so y'all don't think I, I can't book it in the word. Right? right? So Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Turn to Matthew chapter 9, 35. Those of you that have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. And it says, Matthew 9 and 35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease amongst the people. Now that's something. I'm going to read it again. Jesus went through all the towns and all the villages doing what? Teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming what message? The gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease amongst the people. In other words, he was preaching the good news, basic beliefs, and guiding principles of the kingdom and healing people everywhere that he went. So Jesus, I'm going to say it again, was preaching the good news. He was preaching basic principles, basic beliefs, and preaching guiding principles of the kingdom and healing people. Luke chapter 4, verse 43, I want you to write this verse down as well. It says, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him and they came to where he was and they tried to keep him from leaving them, which means they didn't want Jesus to leave. Then the scripture says, but he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also, because this is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. So the gospel of the kingdom was the only message that Jesus preached. He knew that he was sent by God to preach this message. Every message Jesus preached was within the context of the gospel of the kingdom of God. He didn't preach from a religious perspective. He preached from a kingdom perspective. And I'm going to help you understand what that means. And this is why the religious people had such a problem with him. They were stuck in tradition, customs, and rituals. And their biggest, um, their biggest role was to condemn others for not keeping the law. Matthew chapter 23 says this, um, and read Matthew chapter 23 when you, get a, when you get a chance, because he really tore up the scribes and Pharisees in this. I mean, I read it and I was laughing, because he called them all kinds of um, generation of vipers, and he called, like, he really went off. Like, I was like, oh my God, like, Jesus was really going off on the scribes and the Pharisees. But he went off on them because they were religious. Um, uh, the, he said to them, um, Matthew chapter 23, verse Matthew chapter 23, he said, the scribes and the Pharisees, he said, you sit in Moses' seat, which means you have influence. Um, so, you, so practice and observe everything that they tell you. And he's talking to the disciples. He said, they sit in seats of influence. So everything that they say, I want you to observe it. He said, but don't do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. And he tears them to shreds, and then, you know, he goes all the way in on them, right? They were religious, but they weren't moral, they weren't ethical, and they weren't integral. Um, John chapter 12, verse 49. Write that scripture down as well. Jesus was saying, I don't speak on my own authority or of my own authority. The Father sent me, who sent me, has commanded me what to say and how to say it. So the gospel of the kingdom of God is what Jesus preached because it was God's priority. He said, everything that I'm saying, I'm not saying it of my own accord. These are not my words, but what I'm saying, what I'm preaching, the gospel, the message that I'm bringing, he said that this is what God asked me to say. 
I'm saying what God wants me to say. So we know that if the gospel of the kingdom is the only message that Jesus preached, then that meant that the gospel of the kingdom was a priority of God. If that was the only thing that he preached. Okay, so in other words, it was important to God that the world hear and experience the gospel of the kingdom. Y'all with me? It was important to God that the entire world hear and experience the gospel of the kingdom. So what is the gospel of the kingdom? The gospel of the kingdom is the message of good news, basic beliefs, and guiding principles of the kingdom of God. Right? It's the only message that Jesus preached on the earth. The gospel of the kingdom is the context and perspective from which Jesus preached, taught, lived, and operated while he was on the earth. The gospel of the kingdom is so important and a priority to God's plan for man that it's the only message he told Jesus to preach. Jesus had a kingdom paradigm. So when I talk about um, it was the it was the, the context. When I talk about it was the context of where he preached, it meant that um, that was his paradigm. A paradigm is a worldview. Have you ever heard of the word paradigm? Paradigm is a worldview, right? And our our worldview shapes the way that we see the world. Our worldview shapes the way that we experience the world, right? So if I have a worldview of abuse, then I'm going to see the world through eyes of abuse. I'm going to always feel like I'm being abused. I'm going to always feel like people are against me. I'm always going to feel like the world is against me, right? If that is your paradigm. So a paradigm is the way that you see the world, the eyes that you see the world through. Jesus' paradigm was the paradigm of, he didn't even have a religious paradigm. He didn't see everything from a religious perspective. Jesus actually was very political. He was actually very political because he's talking about a kingdom. And a kingdom is what? A government. So this is the other reason why they were so threatened by him because he was talking about a government. He was talking about a rulership. He was talking about a president, right? Because a kingdom has a what? A king. So he's on the scene and he's talking about this kingdom and this government. So of course, the government, the prevailing government was threatened. And so that's a part of, that's a whole other message. I'm not going to get into that. But... The, your paradigm is the lens in which you view the world. So he had a kingdom mindset, a kingdom paradigm. So everything that he did, how he lived his life, how he preached, how he handled people was through the paradigm of the kingdom of God. So why the gospel of the kingdom of God? Luke 8 and 1 says, after this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. So... He went into villages and cities, which are communities and towns and regions. And that means that he, he, he visited grassroots organizations and businesses and markets. And he was at weddings in the scripture. He visited wells. He went to where the people were and preached the good news of the kingdom of God. He went to where the people were. So he didn't, he didn't stay in the four walls of the church. He went out. The scripture says he went into villages and into communities and into cities. That means he went into towns. He went into regions. He went into and he visited organizations and businesses. When he met the disciples by the sea, they were fishermen. They were operating in their business. So he took the gospel of the kingdom to their business. Y'all with me? He went into markets and marketplaces. He visited weddings. He visited, he was at wells. He went to where the people were and he preached the what? Good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now, he preached the kingdom of God. So now, what is the kingdom of God? What is this gospel that he preached? Um, what is the kingdom of God? So let's break down the word kingdom. Uh, the word kingdom comes from the Greek word um, Basalia, okay, Basalia, um, and that word Basalia is Greek, and it means the realm in which a sovereign king rules. In other words, he was preaching the good news, basic beliefs, and guiding principles of the realm, place, territory, and domain in which our God, our sovereign king, rules. He was preaching 
I'm going to say it again. The good news, which are the basic beliefs and guiding principles of the place, the realm, the territory where God rules. A kingdom has few things. A kingdom has a king. A kingdom has a government. A kingdom has a territory. A kingdom has citizens. A kingdom has laws. A kingdom has operating systems. A kingdom has a culture. And what I love is that when Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom, and I'm going kind of quick, so you might not be able to catch everything, but I want you to catch it with your spirit and take as many notes as you can, because I'm going somewhere. A kingdom has a king. So when he preached the gospel of the kingdom, and he referred to a king, he was preaching about leadership. He was preaching about a covering. He was preaching about a director. He was preaching about guidance. So when he preached the, the gospel of the kingdom, he was preaching about a king's kingdom, a king and his kingdom. When he preached about the gospel of the kingdom, he was preaching about a coming government. And that government represented a coming order, bringing order, um, bringing structure. Government also represents protection. How many of you know we're supposed to feel protected by our government? Um, government represents security. Government is supposed to represent defense. So this kingdom, the gospel of this kingdom that Jesus preached about represented a government. The gospel of the kingdom that he preached about also represented territory. It represented a place for us to settle. It represented a home. It represented a community. It represented having stewardship. This kingdom represented a workforce, entrepreneurship. It represented industry and business opportunities, right? This is the kingdom that Jesus preached about. This kingdom also represented a territory. And that territory represents a place to settle. It represents, oh, I just said that. Yes, a home. It also, so the kingdom also represents, the, he preached the gospel of the kingdom, and it also represented, um, he preached about citizens of the kingdom. And the citizens of the kingdom represent a community. It represents a family. It represented a body, right? A body, a family, citizens, a community. This kingdom also had laws. And the laws represented the guiding principles, the freedom and the liberty, but also with caution and boundaries. This kingdom also has an operating system. And this system represents health care. It represents education, the educational system. It represents finan the financial system. This kingdom also has a culture. And this culture represents our beliefs and our values and the language and our food and our music and our social interaction. So when Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom, all of these things were encompassing. He was talking about culture. He was talking about operating systems. He was talking about laws. He was talking about being a citizen of the kingdom. He was talking about having a territory. He was talking about the government that was supposed to protect us. And he was talking about the king. Why was the kingdom of God considered good news? Because he said he went everywhere preaching the what? Gospel. But the right, the gospel of the kingdom, which means preaching the good news of the kingdom. Okay, so I was reading and studying, and I'm like, okay, great, because we get so accustomed to saying gospel. Oh, that's the good news. Well, why was the kingdom of God considered good news? Isn't that a good question? Why? Like, why? Why was it considered good news? If Jesus went, and, and, and this is funny because I, I see it from this perspective, right? I see it from a kingdom perspective. And it's almost like Jesus went on a political campaign. It's almost like it was a political campaign um, preaching about this king that was coming. You know, I think about when you have a presidential campaign, how you have the, the, the two sides usually, and they're, 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 you know, you're talking about what this, what we're going to bring to the table, or what are we going to do, what, how are we going to change policy, how are we going to affect culture, how are we going to affect healthcare, how are we going to affect finances, all of these things which are important to people. So it was almost like Jesus was on a political campaign talking about this king and this kingdom. And he was not only talking about the king and the kingdom, but he was talking about the benefits of this king and this kingdom. He was talking about what the health, 
The healthcare, how does this kingdom affect how we live? How does this kingdom affect what we believe? How does this kingdom affect um, um, the territories that we have? Y'all with me? It's a, it's a stretch, but I, I want us to stretch our thinking. All right? As believers, we got to learn how to stretch our thinking. So that's usually my side. <laughs> Sister Chris is always like, man, Pastor Rick makes us think. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's like Jesus went on a political campaign trail preaching, teaching, and demonstrating the good news. Now, if he was demonstrating and preaching and teaching the good news, then there had to be bad news. Right? If he was bringing good news, then that means there had to be bad news. The good news of the kingdom of God was a message of a counterculture and a counterstructure to present and to present a prevailing kingdom, culture, and structure. Now, people were dissatisfied. He was preaching this good news, and people were dissatisfied with this current kingdom. People were dissatisfied, and it makes me think of the children of Israel when they were in bondage and when Moses stepped in, right? Because they were in bondage. They were in slavery. And Moses stepped in and said, all right, we're going to be free. And so it kind of has the same connotation of when Jesus came onto the scene and he started to preach the message of the gospel of the kingdom. Because whether or not we believe it, we were enslaved. People were enslaved. People were unhappy. People were unhappy with the time that they were living in. Their people were sick everywhere that he went. There were sick people. Everywhere that he went, people were blind. Everywhere that he went, people were dissatisfied with the kingdom, with the with the current kingdom and structure and, and um the society that they lived in. Amen? Amen? So people were dissatisfied. They were dissatisfied with what? Their president. They were dissatisfied with their king and their leadership. So Jesus preached about the father. They were dissatisfied. So the gospel of the kingdom was about the father, the king. They were dissatisfied with their current government, with the laws, with the operating system. So Jesus preached his father's kingdom. They were dissatisfied with their current culture. So Jesus preached about the culture of the kingdom. People were sick, people were poor, people were destitute, people were homeless, people were depressed, people were blind, people were crippled, people were deaf, people were burdened. Doesn't that sound like now? People were having a hard time living in the society and in the culture that they lived in. So Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. So what did the good news do? The good news brought hope and the good news brought healing. It didn't only bring hope, because sometimes you can get hope and then feel like that's it. Okay, well now I feel better, but nothing ever changes. So not only did he bring, the gospel of the kingdom bring hope, but the gospel of the kingdom also brought healing. It brought hope and it brought healing. It represented freedom and liberty. It represented a new way of thinking, a new way of operating, a new way of living. So the message of the kingdom of God was good news because it, because it was a counter kingdom. It was about leaving from under the rule and influence of the kingdom of this world and its wicked, broken systems. How many of you, how many of you know that the scripture talks about the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of our Christ? He talks about it in, general, in, in, in Revelation. And the kingdoms of this world, if you want to... If you want to break it down, there are many kingdoms that are in this world. We have um, we have the animal kingdom, right? That's a kingdom. Yeah, you guys get it? We have the animal kingdom. We have the plant kingdom. Um, we have the atomic kingdom. We have the subatomic kingdom. There are many kingdoms that are living that are in this world. We have the kingdom of man, right? And not only those types of kingdoms, but you also have natural kingdoms that where you have kings. You you know in the in the um in 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 the what part of the world is that? Where there's like Arabias and what, what part of the world? Middle East. The Middle East. There you go. Thank you. In the Middle East, you have kings and you have kingdoms and territories. In Africa, you have kings and you have kingdoms. And he said the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. So even in, um, even in the kingdom, we live in uh, America is kind of like a kingdom. 
right? It's set up like a kingdom because you have a king or a president, right? And then we have a government, right? Then we have laws and then we have systems and we have culture. So this is a pseudo type of a kingdom, right? Y'all with me? We just use different technology, different terminology, but this is a pseudo kingdom. But so even in the systems and the operating systems of the kingdom, we know that they are broken systems. For example, our education system is broken. Because the, 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 here's the thing, people can't, there's certain things that you can't be, the education system is, is educating us and teaching us how to prepare for tests now. Right. It's not really, it's not really, you, you guys get what I'm saying? Especially if you have children that are in the, right, we're not being, we're being taught how to take tests. We're not actually being educated per se, right? The financial system is, 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 is broken. The healthcare system is broken. All of these systems, um, that if you, when you think about systems, kingdoms are supported and run by systems. So all of these systems are the things that keep these kingdoms going, right? So now we're living at, in, in this world, we're living in this kingdom, and there's so many broken systems. Um, but now the message of the kingdom of God was good news because it's a counter kingdom and it, it teaches us or it compels us to leave from under the rule and influence of the kingdom of this world and its wicked and broken systems. And it causes us to be translated, transferred or born again into a new family and kingdom. Y'all are with me? Yeah. So when we talk about being born again, we're actually being born again into another kingdom. We're being born again into another system. We're being born again into another way of thinking. We're being born again into another way of living. We're being born again into another way of operating. Amen. Amen. See, this is this is so this is what salvation is, right? So the gospel of the kingdom saves us. Okay, so I'm gonna talk about salvation for a moment. The gospel of the kingdom saves us from the bondage and rulership of the power of the kingdom of this world and its systems. Jesus didn't only come only come to save us from eternal hell and to give us eternal life, but he also came to save us from the bondage of sin and death while we are alive here on this earth. I'm going to say that again. Yeah. Jesus, because when we talk about salvation, we just said, oh God, God saved me from eternal hell. Well, yeah, but that's not it. Because why save me from hell eternally and I still have to live through it on earth? Does that even make sense? That doesn't even make sense. So the gospel of the kingdom is not only um, um, the gospel, I'm going to say it again, Jesus didn't only come to save us from eternal hell and to give us eternal life, he also came to save us from the bondage of sin and death while we are alive here on earth, and to give us life, and to give us life more abundantly. John 10 and 7 through 10 says, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. He said again in verse 9, I am the door. By me, any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He says, I am come that ye might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And so now what I love about this last part of the scripture, he said, I'm not only come that you might have life, but I come that you might have abundant life. So life, when Jesus says, I come that you might have life, this is your, um, this is the, your, 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 it has a connotation of uh, being resurrected. Right. I'm coming to resurrect you. I'm coming to that you might have life. I'm coming to restore you. I'm coming to give you back the life that you lost. And not only am I coming to give you back the life that you lost, I'm coming to give you even more abundant life. See, at the beginning of this John 10, he says, I am the door. I'm going to deal with the door for a moment. He said, Jesus said, I am the door. I'm the entrance. I'm the gate. I'm the access point. What is he the door to? What is he the gate to? What is he the access point to? He's the access point. He's the door. He's the gate to the kingdom of God. He's the door to the kingdom of God. 
He's the door to a new world. He's the door to a new way of living. He is the door to a new way of operating. He says, I am the door. I am the way. He says, I come that you might have life. So he gives you life. He says, and then, then that you might have life more abundantly. And that abundant life is coming from the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. It says, now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching what? The gospel of the kingdom of God. And saying that the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. So he preached the gospel of the kingdom and then he said, the time is fulfilled, it's at hand. Um, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. The time is fulfilled um, in other words, it's, it's saying the time is now. It has a connotation of a due date um, of the birth of a child, right? So Jesus was talking about himself. He said, the time is now. I've arrived. I'm here. He said, and the kingdom of God is at hand, which meant that it's the, the, the kingdom of God is no longer a, an abstract concept. But he said, it's here. It's at hand. It's physical. It's tangible. It's touchable. Jesus said, the kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is not spiritual anymore. It's not this, this spiritual place that we, we go to when we leave here. He said, the kingdom is at hand. It's at hand. That literally means it's at my hand. It's touchable. It's, it's, it's tangible. Um, he said, repent. Now, I want to talk about repentance for one moment because we, 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 we've been taught that repentance is about saying I'm sorry, right? It's like, did you repent? Did you ask the Lord to forgive you, right? But Pastor Andre has been, been preaching for the past two weeks about renewing the mind, right? Renewing the mind, renewing the mind. Um, repentance, the definition of repentance um, is not about saying sorry, but it means to make a conscious, informed decision to turn from sin. That's what repentance is. Repentance means to change one's mind, to change your mind. Romans said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. That's how you know you've really repented. Not because you've said, oh, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me. That's not repentance. That is asking for forgiveness. <laughs> but repentance is the actual act of turning away from your sin. Is the act of literally turning away, which means that there has to be a work. There's a work that has to be done. There's, there's something that we have to do. We have to literally turn, right? So it's not only about, um, it, it, it's, it, it's, it means to make a conscious, informed decision to turn from sin. And it also means to change your mind. So Jesus said in that scripture, he said, repent and believe the gospel. He was saying, turn Change your mind and then believe the gospel, believe the good news of the kingdom. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So not only did Jesus come, and this is where we fit in, not only did Jesus come to preach the good news of the gospel of the kingdom, but after he left, he said, Now I want you to do the same thing. He preached the gospel of the kingdom. And he healed people everywhere that he went. He says, now, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We now have the responsibility as believers, as citizens of the kingdom of God, and as Christians to do what Jesus did while he was here. Romans chapter 1, verse 15 through 17 says, um, this is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel as to you who are in Rome. This was the apostle preaching the gospel in Rome. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation. So we know it is the gospel that brings salvation. It is the gospel that saves us, right? What, and again, what does the gospel save us from? What do we, when we talk about salvation, we talk about I'm saved. What are we saved from? Right? 
this makes sense when Jesus says, I am the door, right? A door is not only an exit, a door is also an entrance, right? So I, I, I see a door, I can exit through a door, but that door is allowing me to enter into another place. So Jesus, when we talk about salvation, um, and, and we talk about him saving us, is something that he saves us from. What is he saving us from, right? Um, the scripture says, for the gospel reveals the righteousness of God that comes by faith from start to finish, um, just as it is written, the just will live by faith. So we have that same commission from God to preach the gospel. What I love about Christ, and you all can stand to your feet while we're going to wrap up. What I love about what Jesus did and, and the gospel that he preached was that not only did he preach the gospel, he didn't only talk about it, he didn't only teach it, but he lived it, he demonstrated it, and then he healed people everywhere that he went. Now, we have that same commission from God. Can you guys believe that? The same commission from yes. God to preach the gospel yes. and then to heal people, yes. to heal everywhere that we go, everywhere that we go. And I think about what Jesus did as he walked and as he navigated through culture and as he walked and navigated through society and as he walked and navigated through business, everywhere that he went, he made things better. Everywhere that he went, he made things better. He went to a wedding and turned water into wine. He made things better. He was able to talk to a prostitute at a watering hole and had a conversation with her. And that same prostitute went in one breath from talking about all the men that she slept with to the other breath preaching the gospel Amen. that transformed her life. He went and he healed blind people and he healed deaf people and he healed crippled people all in society. And so I was having a conversation the other day and sometimes I don't know if I was talking to a person, if I was talking to God, to myself, because I talk a lot, I have so many conversations, right? <laughs> So I was like, I, I don't remember who I was talking to, but I said, I was saying, you know, it's interesting because Jesus went and he healed the blind. And he healed blind people in society. And it, it's interesting because blindness is not always natural blindness. There are people out here who are spiritually blind. There are people out here who are emotionally crippled. Right? You, you have the activity of your limbs, but you're emotionally crippled. There are people who, who, are, who have ears, but the Bible says you have ears, but you can't hear. You have eyes, but you can't see. Could it be that a part of our responsibility to culture and to society is to heal people? And now here's the thing that religious people might not like. He wasn't healing people in the church. He wasn't healing believers. He was healing unbelievers. He was out in culture, in society, interacting with unbelievers. Who needs the gospel of the kingdom? Unbelievers. This puts the power back into the hands of the believers. This puts the, the ball back into our court. The gospel of the kingdom is our responsibility now. Because he said, go ye now and preach the gospel. And we think that that means, okay, where's my microphone? Where's my platform? What church is going to invite me to speak? I got to go preach the gospel when he lived in culture. Where he, he interacted in business. Where he moved and navigated through government. Like he was bad. When you think about Jesus, I'm like, oh my, this dude was so dope. He was in government and he was toe-to-toe -to -toe with because he said, I understand that you're a part of this government. He said, but I'm coming from another government that's higher. Come on, the Supreme, you have the Supreme Court, but then you have the circuit courts. All the circuit courts, the smaller courts that try all the little cases. But if your if your case gets to the Supreme Court, that's the highest court. Jesus was like, all right, I understand that you all, you, you know, you in this government barrel and all that. All right, y'all, all right, whatever. I come from a higher government. I, I come from a higher government. That's why I don't have to, I don't have to be submitted under the laws of this government because I come from a 
higher government. A higher government. Hallelujah. He said, a high come from a higher government. The same thing with, with people. He was able to, and, and, and this is the thing, I want you to really see this, is that though he were healing people that was blind, it is our responsibility on our jobs and in our communities to now restore his when you think about healing someone that's blind, it's really about restoring sight. Right? Restoring sight. So how many people can we minister to that? I once was blind, but now I see something was cloudy. They couldn't see. They couldn't get it. They couldn't understand salvation. They couldn't understand what it meant to serve God. But my life now is becoming that windows to help them. To help them to them. So now I can see. Like, that's healing. See, we always see it as, okay, let me find a blind person, lay my hands on them, see if, if they can see. And yes, that too, but we overlook the other part of helping people see differently. And this is a culture, this is a society. See, here's the thing. We're taught so much from a religious perspective that we think all of these things have to happen here. All of these things, Jesus did not, he spent more time in culture than he did in the synagogue. He was so innovative. Listen, he was innovative in his day. I love it. He was so different. He was like, I'm not even going to preach in a building. I'm going to preach on a boat. Like, let me just get in a boat. Pull a boat up. Imagine a cruise liner pulling up to the, to the sea. He was like, I'm not even preaching in a church. Let me preach from a boat. And the people pulled up to the shore to hear what he had to say. Culture, they were hungry for something. They were dissatisfied with the government. They were dissatisfied with where they were in their lives. And he was preaching about something that was feeding an appetite that they had for more. They wanted more. They didn't want to be he, they didn't want to be blind. They didn't want to be crippled. You know what crippled is? Crippled doesn't only mean I can't physically walk. Crippled means I can't make moves in my life. Every time I try to take a step forward and make a move, I keep falling. How many of us have been in that place where we keep falling for everything? Every time I try to make a step, I fall. That's being crippled. But Jesus said, I've come to heal that. There was a man at the gate beautiful. There's a scripture that talks about the man that was at gate beautiful. And the disciples, the apostles were walking and he was begging for money. And he was like, oh, I need money. I need money. And the disciples said, okay, silver or gold have I none. Because see, the thing is, is that you're asking for money. When you don't need money, you need healing. And if you get healed, you can make your own money. So if I give you money, I'm just handicapping you further. He said, so silver or gold have I not to give you, but such as I have, I'm going to give to you. Rise up and walk. How many people can we identify in culture that are crippled that we can say, rise up and walk? Rise up and walk. You don't have to keep falling. You don't have to fall for everything. Rise up and walk. But this is in culture. This is in business. This is on our jobs. This is in our communities because Jesus thought it was so important to take the gospel of the kingdom to the communities where people were. Because there is no kingdom without people. There is no system without people. There is no culture without people. There is no culture without people. There is no culture, there is no kingdom, there is no system without people. People are the machinery that drives the progress of the kingdom. So if you take all the nuts and bolts out of the machine, what's going to happen? The machine is going to crumble. God has given us the same commission that he gave Jesus. Jesus didn't even preach the gospel of Jesus. Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. <laughs> he preached the good news of the kingdom. Now it's our responsibility to preach the good news of gospel of Jesus and the gospel of the kingdom. Because Jesus says, I'm the door. He says, I'm the door. You can't get to the kingdom unless you come through me. He says, I'm the door. I'm the gateway to the kingdom. He says, I've come that you might have life, right? Come to the door and get life, but once you enter through the door, that's where the abundant life is. 
Because that kingdom is an abundant life. Abundant is what? More than what I have now. Amen. Abundant is more than what I have now. So for the people that are blind, abundance means sight. The kingdom is going to bring sight. For the people that are crippled, that keep falling, what does that mean? The kingdom says, I'm going to, I'm going to heal you so you can walk right. What does that mean for people who can't hear, people who are deaf? It means, oh, I'm going to heal you so you can hear now. That's what the kingdom does. The kingdom, it resurrects you. He says, I am the resurrection. Come to me and be resurrected. Hallelujah. The gospel of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The gospel of the kingdom of God. God commissioned us to preach that gospel, to preach the good news about the kingdom of God. I know I tried to squeeze a lot in, in a short bit of time, but hopefully you were able to embrace what the Lord was saying about the gospel of the kingdom. Each and every one of you in this room, in this room, God wants to anoint you to be able to preach and to live the gospel of the kingdom. The good news, come on, it's good news. It's good news. What does that good news say? You don't have to be blind. You don't have to be deaf. You don't have to be crippled. That good news says you can't be healed. You can't be delivered. You can't be set free. There is more to your life than you see. There is more to your life than you experience. That is the gospel of the kingdom of God. That is the gospel of the kingdom of God. Father, we thank you today. We thank you today for your word. We thank you. We thank you for your word today. We thank you for talking to us about the gospel of the kingdom of God. The good news of your kingdom. Father, we pray, God, that you would use us. God, first of all, bring us to the door. Bring us to the door. Bring us to the door because we know that we can't get to the kingdom unless we come to the door. And we know that Jesus is that door. God, we know that Jesus is the door. He, is, he said he's the way. We know that he is the way to the kingdom. We know that he is the truth of the kingdom. We know that he is the life of the kingdom. Father, we pray, God, that you would just anoint us right now. Come on, just lift your hands. God is anointing you. He's deputizing you today. He is deputizing you. Deputizing you as an agent of change. He's deputizing you as an agent of the kingdom to go out and preach the gospel of the kingdom. To go out and tell the good news of the kingdom of God. To go out and heal the sick and to heal the, the, the blind and to heal the lame and crippled. God is anointing you and he's deputizing you to go into your communities and to go into culture. It is, it is 10 times 10. Right? 
is anointing some people's hands today to handle money, to handle wealth, to multiply, to multiply seed, to multiply wealth. God is anointing your hands today. He's anointing your hands today. For some of us, he's anointing our mouths that as we speak, yokes will be destroyed and burdens will be lifted off of the lives of people. He's giving some people a teaching anointing where every time you open up your mouth to teach, the Bible says the anointing, that teaching anointing will begin to destroy yokes and lift burdens off of the lives of the people that, that hears, off of the lives of the students that hear your teaching. God is anointing some people with the anointing of the evangelist as you go out and as you minister and as you witness. He said the anointing is going to destroy yokes and lift burdens over the people that hear your ministry, that hear your testimony, that hear what God has done for you. God is anointing some people with an apostolic anointing and that anointing will allow you to see things that can't be seen with natural eyes. God is giving you insight. He's giving you hindsight and foresight and he's allowing some to see like we've never seen before. And that sight is about seeing the enemy before he arrives. That sight is to see emerging industries and economies. That sight is to see business opportunities. That sight is to see people who have potential and feeding into them and, and, and harvesting their potential. That sight is also to recognize ground where you can plant seed and get exponential growth. God is anointing some people with an apostolic anointing. God is giving some people in this place a prophetic anointing where they'll be able to speak the word of the Lord. They'll be able to speak the heart of God. And in speaking the word of the heart of God, lives are going to be blessed and transformed. Lives are going to be blessed and transformed. Lives are going to be healed and delivered. God is giving some people a pastoral anointing in this room. And that pastoral anointing is the anointing to care for others. Anointing to care for others, to love on others, and as you care and as you love on others, even in the healthcare industry, even in the the, 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 the the industries that take care of people, convalescent homes, and things of that such, the Lord said that I've given you an anointing that as you care for people, yokes will be destroyed and burdens will be lifted. Yokes will be destroyed off of their lives and burdens will be lifted and lives will be healed. Even some people in this place, God is anointing you for creativity, for arts and entertainment, for media, for things in that arena. And the Lord says that I'm giving you an anointing that as you navigate through those industries and through those fields, that yokes will be destroyed and burdens will be lifted off of the lives of the people you come in contact with. That same anointing for creativity, that same anointing to care for people. As you walk through your communities and as you greet others, just like when Mary and Martha, Mary and Elizabeth greeted one another, purpose began to leap. As you greet people in your community, they're going to start to see their purpose. They're going to start to experience change in their lives, in their spirits. The Lord said he is anointing you and deputizing you today. He is anointing you and deputizing you. He's anointing you and he's deputizing you. And that anointing is going to destroy yokes and make burdens. He says it's not about a microphone. It's not about a microphone.
and he is deputizing you and anointing you to be effective in ministry. You are now the Lord's minister. You are now a part of the circuit board that doesn't create the laws. We just inactively enforce them. He's deputizing you now as an ambassador of his kingdom. to heal systems and to heal lives and to heal families and to heal our mind, the mind of people and to heal hearts. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you today for deputizing us. We thank you, God, that the gospel of the kingdom was the only message that Jesus preached. And it was such a priority, God, to you. Why it was your priority, God. And we just want to say thank you for giving us this great gospel, for giving us the opportunity, Father, to receive this gospel, oh God, for giving us the opportunity, Lord God, to now preach this same gospel that we might help, Lord God, and heal our world, that we might help heal the systems of this world, that we might make the world a better place. Because when Jesus was here, what did he do? In the world a better place. And how did he do it? By healing people, by restoring lives, by bringing people back from the dead. Don't you know that when he brought Lazarus back from the dead, that was that was a representation of what he wanted to do for humanity. He wanted to, in our dead state, bring us back from the dead. So we can Word would rest in our hearts. If there's anyone here today that 